One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to the Dope Black Woman Podcast, the podcast where we share stories of black excellence as part of our safe digital sisterhood. I'm Leanne Levos. I'm Rashan. You can call me Shan. I'm Livs. So on today's episode, we'll be discussing sexual health with Sarah Malindua. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Very well, thank you. Very happy to be here. Awesome. So we on Dope Black Woman are huge fans of multifaceted women and Sarah covers so many different things in her life so in addition to being successful in the fashion industry a well-respected stylist fashion editor published writer she's been seen in Vogue New York Times amongst others she's also a TV personality who is best known as a presenter on Channel 4 and E4's hit show The Sex Clinic So Sarah is a nurse specializing in sexual health, and she's part of a team of experts who cut through Britain's sex secrets and teaches young people about sexual health and encourages them to talk about these issues openly. I hope I got all of that right. (laughs) (laughs) You did. Thank you. But Sarah, welcome. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, So yeah, if you could start by just telling us a little bit about yourself, how you kind of got into well, how you became such a multifaceted woman and then more specifically about kind of your journey into sexual health. And uh, I think one of the questions that we always ask uh, women whenever they come onto the show is what makes them a dope black woman? Mm. Answering whichever order you want to. Oh God, (laughs) that's a task. Okay, no problem. Um, So yeah, so like you said, my working background is quite um, diverse. So whenever people ask me what I do, I'm always like, oh God, here we go. But um, to start, I'll start from the beginning. So when I went to university, I studied my, I did nursing, I did my nursing uh, degree there at uni. I was 17, so I went a year early to uni than I was supposed to. Not because I'm like super clever or whatever. It's just, that's just the way it sort of happened. And I did my nursing and I worked, in a hospital called Chelsea and Westminster Hospital for five years. I worked in acute medicine there. And after five years, I was about, I was in my mid twenties and I felt like I'd sort of come to the end of my hospital time. I'd sort of gotten as much as I wanted to from the hospital environment. And I kind of wanted to have a bit more of a balanced life. I was working sort of weekends and nights. And when you're that age, you sort of just want to go out with your friends. You kind of just want to have a bit, you know, enjoy your life. And I was doing night shifts and weekends. And I, after a while I thought, okay, I just, I need to change my working lifestyle a little bit. And then I thought, okay, I want to uh, specialize in something as a nurse. Um, and I didn't know what to specialize in. And I remember when I did my training, there wasn't really, which we touched on it in a few modules here and there, but we didn't really go into sexual health and, um, sort of HIV and that kind of thing. And so when it came to specializing, I thought that's a field that I want to 
learn more about mainly because I wanted to do some charity expat work in um, back in Africa and do some charity work and in order to do that I needed a background in HIV and, and sexual health and so I thought that was a perfect opportunity to, to specialize and then I got a job at a clinic in Soho um, it's the busiest clinic in all of Europe wow. we diagnose more infections than every other clinic in the country combined that's how busy it is um, and I thought this would be a great place to get my footing into the into that that field of nursing and to learn about sexual health HIV and all the rest of it and so I decided to specialize in sexual health I worked in sexual health for well I have been for about eight years now eight nine years I think um, and so when I specialized in sexual health the same time I decided to specialize as a nurse I also decided that I wanted to pursue a career in the fashion industry which was always something that I wanted to do when I was younger but it always seemed so unattainable it always seemed like something that was just sort of too big um, and then as things, as social media started to become a thing and things like Instagram, Twitter and uh, blogs, uh, YouTube, all this kind of thing started to happen. I started seeing other people creating careers within the fashion industry. And obviously as a black girl from a working class background, initially I thought I'd never be able to make it into the industry just because it's known for being quite white quite middle class and so before social media became a thing it never seemed like a realistic career goal and so when it did come across when it, when it did become a thing um i thought okay well maybe i might i just might be able to do it and then i started um sort of doing a few shoots here and there so i started out as a stylist doing a few shoots here and there um working with up-and-coming photographers and sort of building my portfolio in that way and then through doing that i ended up being scouted to do a fashion show for radio so i did a, a show called the hoxton fashion show and it was mainly about fashion but anything that was trending in london any sort of award ceremonies we do sort of red carpet event uh, red carpet reviews for fashion um and so i did that for four years sort of as a as a um as a sort of fashion expert and then through doing the hoxton fashion show it sort of built my profile within the sort of weight radio world and then from doing radio i started you know doing other things writing for magazines and um doing bigger shoots i ended up becoming a, a fashion editor through the back of that as well and through building my portfolio and then the whole tv thing is completely separate from the fashion thing so a friend of mine it's, it's all very weird but a friend of mine she uh, works in tv and she was a friend of hers was working on on this on a show about sex and relationships and she knew that i was a qualified nurse she knew that i was a presenter and she knew that i'd specialize in sexual health so i kind of weirdly had these three things and i never yeah. ever thought that, that my careers would ever merge the way they have but um she was like well sarah you you're a presenter and you work in sexual health you know, would you be up for it? This would be perfect. And so long story short, I went for the casting, got the job straight away. And um, we, we shot the pilot in 2017, I think. And it was called The Sex Testers. And they were sort of, they put it out as a feeler to see how the public would take to it, to see whether it was worth commissioning for a proper TV series. And everybody loved it. It, it really resonated with the young audience. And then it got commissioned for E4. So at the moment, we, we're on our second series. Normally, you know, pre-COVID would be gearing up to film the third series in July, which still might happen depending on how everything goes. Um, but we've shot this, we've done our second series, which will be coming back on Channel 4 in about a month or so. Um, but it normally goes on E4 first and then we, it shows again on Channel 4. So at the moment, my career is sort of doing TV and sort of navigating my way in the TV industry and sort of doing more things around sex and relationships and body issues. And then I still do my fashion stuff on the side. So I kind of merge all my things into one wherever I can. So I hope that kind of explains what I do. But um, yeah, that would be it. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know that we need to figure out why you're a dope black woman. I think you kind of said it all. <laughs> but yeah, if there's something you want to add as to why you, how you see your, why you see yourself as a dope black woman. Uh, I see myself as a dope black woman because in everything I do, I think about other black women and it's never just Amen. about yeah it's never just about me in everything I do I know that we don't walk around like other people who who have the the luxury of representing mm. themselves we represent each other and so in everything I do I think I'm doing this for other black women because when I was 15 16 there wasn't that many black women that I could look to and think oh she looks like me if she can do it I can do it so I always you know I don't come from a, a rich family I don't come from any sort of privilege whatsoever so everything I've done I've done you know on my own just through through helping other people because I think oftentimes as women and especially as black women there's a way of which like if there's one black woman doing it that's it that that, that seat has been taken whereas actually no if if what if one of us does it that just opens the gate for more of us to come in so instead of saying oh if there's only one black person at, the, at that work job or in that industry then that means that i will have less of an opportunity no it means that that person's opened the gate so in anything i do i always thinking i have to send the elevator back down so that i think that's what makes me a dope black woman that is definitely dope i mean on the podcast i feel like collectively we do talk about sex quite a bit mm. and um it's interesting because i think uh it's i think it's something that we try to normalize quite a lot because we recognize that so often mm. particularly within the black community we don't talk about sex that much right and so i mean you guys uh, live shan you guys did did you guys have the sex talk with your parents sarah did you ha- did you guys have the sex talk with your parents no no no, no, oh, nothing Shan, like that. Um, it wasn't an official talk. I had like a boyfriend in when I was like year seven to about year ten or eleven. No, not year, not to twenty eleven to like year ten. And my mom had seen like a condom in my purse, so because she'd oh. seen that, she assumed that I was having sex. I really wasn't. I just had this <laughs> this fear that if I ever needed to have sex, the condom would be there. And that's very sensible. Because my mom had me young, like. Sex was definitely normalised in the household. Not as in that you should actively be doing it, but it was never a scary conversation. So if I wanted to talk to my mum about it, I wouldn't. But the the opportunity to do that, I know would be there. Yeah, I feel like your family is very open when it comes to those things. I don't know if you remember when we were talking about, uh, I think it was the second episode where you said that you asked your nan to buy you a dildo. (laughs) Yeah, I think... We're just, we're just all really, really close. And I think with me, I had a lot of friends that would come around the house and they were sexually active. And you know, like as kids, when you're in your room talking and gossiping, no one realises how loud you're talking. So my mum would tell us. <laughs> and then she would like ask my friends a question. And because she wouldn't do it in an awkward mum way, my friends would end up talking to my mum about it. So if I used to go to the clinic with my friends, I could tell my mum I'm going to the clinic with Aww. XYZ friend and it would be fine. Whereas my friends just have to lie to their mum and be like, I'm going shopping with Rashan or something like that. Do you get what I mean? Mm. So because my friends were active in actually having sex a lot before me and my mum was aware, it then made having a sex conversation easy because I wasn't actually doing it. So I could talk about it from a hypothetical situation up mm. until it obviously got to the point that now I was actually doing it. And I mean, <laughs> now we can talk. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was going to say it's interesting because Rashan said, although her friends were having sex, they were the ones who had felt that they had to lie to their parents about where, where they were going. But Rashan felt enabled to have sex, but she didn't feel pressure to. But because, mm-hmm. but because your mum was 
open about it you didn't feel like sex was something that was forbidden because when you tell so it's like telling a child you can't eat that so you're going to want to do something that you know you probably shouldn't or you're not allowed to but when you know I, you can yeah yes. i think that's a real rule yeah. when it comes to like parenting that i know that mm. i'm gonna take on board because like yeah. my mom didn't tell me i couldn't do anything <laughs> like yeah. absolutely anything and i didn't yeah. smoke i didn't i didn't i drank but like not rich, like 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 16 17. It, it wasn't it wasn't recklessly at all like i did everything pretty much by the book <laughs> like my mum was like you mm. have to go to uni i went to uni so i definitely <laughs> think a lot of i definitely noticed um amongst my peers and not my not all my friends but some of them some of like really really strict strict parents really did act mm. out and like end up in a lot of situations that they probably wouldn't have needed to be in had mm. they had had they been able to have more of an open relationship with their parents about anything not even just sex but obviously that too yeah Yeah, no i mean i grew up in a conservative household and it was really weird so it was like i i remember watching tv with my dad and anytime it would get too late and even if like kissing came on tv he would immediately change the channel (laughs) and i don't think it was the whole channel dude whole channel not even mute it or you know tell me to leave he would just change the channel and i think it was like i think it was largely because he just didn't know how to navigate those conversations you know and Mm. especially for a daughter i suppose but i don't know that he had it with my brother either and i think it's interesting because for me what it did i don't think it made me act out but i think it made me so much more self-conscious of my of myself like so much more self-aware but not necessarily in a good way so things when it came on to like, as we've discussed, sex, uh, self-exploration and kind of getting to know and be comfortable with your own body, that took me a really long time. Like, I don't think I really started self-exploring. Let's use that word. It sounds nicer than masturbating. Although we should just normalize the language, right? I didn't start masturbating until I was at, like in uni. So like 1920, you know, oh, and wow. after I started, so I had sex after a year before i even started um but yeah i mean i don't know what what has been your experience or how important do you think it is sarah to to really get to know your body before you even kind of engage with sex or parents making sure that their kids are comfortable with that before they start even talking about the sex talk yeah i think knowing your body is the key to enjoying sex for sure i think um like you said uh, you had sex before you masturbated is that right yeah a year before ever- yeah and which is how most people do it because it's like sex is normal even though sometimes some people may feel there may there may be some shame attached to it for whatever reason but we know that it's, it's normal it's absolutely normal but whereas masturbation there's you could almost feel like oh no I shouldn't be doing this this isn't right and so you end up doing it the other way around where in actual fact if you know your body and you know what you like it's then easier to enjoy sex because then you can you can you can then express that to your partner and then you just know what you like and you for your body um so it's definitely better to do it that way around and it's been proven in so many studies that actually women can probably make themselves orgasm better than a man could so therefore, it's, e- it's easier to, for you to know what you like first and then teach it to somebody when you have sex because sex is about communication as well. So somebody won't know what you like until you tell them, until you teach them. Otherwise, you know, you're just playing a guessing game. I mean, I, I didn't lose my virginity. Even that phrase, lose your virginity. Yeah. Like, I didn't lose it. <laughs> I didn't get lost in the post. Like, and it wasn't stolen from me either. I didn't give it to someone. Anyway, that's a whole other yeah, topic. True. But um, yeah, I didn't lose my virginity until I was 21. And for me, that came very much from a place of like, I wanted to be 
absolutely, absolutely sure that I was 100% comfortable before having sex with someone. And for me personally, that took a really long time because I dealt with like self-conscious issues and like mental health. And I was like, adding sex to this equation is not going to help anyone. So let's just avoid that. Um, and like now I think I'm in a really good position. Like I definitely, I talked to my mum quite openly. Like my mum came with me to get the coil done. Um, yeah, and that was, and I really loved that she came with me. But my dad, I can't even imagine having that conversation. But I think it is difficult for dads to talk to daughters about that kind of thing. Yeah. Like for a grown man to talk to a teenage girl about sex, like I think it's uncomfortable for both parties. Mm. Um, but um, like one of the things I was going to say that I think is interesting is like even amongst like my closest closest friends, like there are certain aspects that are still uncomfortable, like something like you know vaginal discharge or like what like things like that are still mm. like super uncomfortable to like even like your closest girlfriend. Really? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like I mean, we'll talk about sex for you as well, Liam. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's oh so funny God. because just like oh, literally yeah. a week ago, I think you we were all having a discussion about like uh or we've had discussions about things like anal and like. Mm. Uh, just different sexual positions and that kind of thing, and I, I realize that I've never had those discussion with my discussions with my girlfriends. I've had them mm. with my male friends, and they're mm. very open. And I've mm. actually learned a lot from them. But a lot of my girlfriends don't because I think they don't want to be perceived as slutty or as doing. But then with that, yeah, with you lot's friends, uh, we've been friends with them for, for me. a really really long time. Yeah, years yeah. on years. For me, like, it's very comfortable to talk about, like, something like anal or, like, oral sex. Like, the actual act of sex is not uncomfortable. Mm. It's more like um, talking about your personal body, almost. Like, there's a level of shame to that. Do you still feel that way? Or is that something that you've become more comfortable with over time? I definitely have got more comfortable over time. But that's only been the last couple of years. Like, something like... Um, I don't know why I mentioned this again, but like, like something like vaginal discharge is like, I used to think I was like the only one in the world that had this. I used yeah. to think like, this is my dirty little Same secret. actually. And then like, I, and I thought there was something wrong with me. And then I realised like, it's so common, but like, you're made to feel like there's something wrong with you. And I think that is, there's a lot of examples of that within the realm of like women and, and sex. Mm. And it also comes from a lack of um, of education as well. When you're talking, when we talk about sex education in schools, it's always about you know how to prevent pregnancy and all this kind of stuff. It's never really about if how to enjoy it. How to? It's never about how to enjoy it. It's never about how to feel empowered. It's never about uh, what 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 symptoms could mean. But I think that's also because sexual health is often left to the responsibility of teachers who have no sexual health background and so it's not even their mm. fault but what why would mm. they know about what a symptom is they may struggle you know if you're a teacher and you're about 25 26 why would you know you know you might be struggling with your own body and not know how to how how are you then going to know how to educate younger people so it also i think it also comes from the educational system and there's been definitely loopholes in um in in getting sufficient teaching tools for, for, for young people to actually know these things. Otherwise, you know, you leave school and you have no idea why you're having this discharge, but it's because you had your period two days ago. So now, now you're ovulating and this is normal. You know, it's something yeah. that simple. But to you, for all your years, throughout your teenage years, you thought there's something wrong with me. I'm the only one. Oh, like the SDI. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just went to the clinic about... I just went to the clinic about a discharge. I was like, hmm, there's this thing coming out. I don't know why. <laughs> um... 
randomly there is actually a vibes criteria song that discusses the different colors of discharge and what oh it lord means. it would be me to know that it? it would be you <laughs> it would be me um but anyway i was gonna ask you how you guys both you and sarah how you became more comfortable like what are ways in which you you know become comfortable with your body um over time i think it like you just said with time i think that's a lot of oftentimes that's what that's what it comes down to i mean now that i'm in my 30s and when i was compared to when i was in my 20s i'm a completely different woman you know it just it comes with time you just get more and more comfortable with yourself as you get older and you start to um also feel empowered and also you go through life experiences that just make you understand that actually in the grand scheme of things this is the least of my problems whereas when when i was 20 21 the things that I would like fixate on and the things I'd worry about my body issues. Like I was like, I hated my stretch marks and I thought, I thought I'd never get, when I was like 17, I thought I'd never get a boyfriend because of my stretch marks. Like I hate, whereas now it's like, okay, I'm not, I'm not crazy about them, but I literally do not care. It's the last thing I think about when I'm having sex is, oh my God, he might seem like, I really don't care. <laughs> and so you start to normalize things as you get older and you just go through life experiences and you, and you go through relationships and you, and you think actually, no, I, I don't care. Nobody else cares. So therefore, why is it an issue? So sometimes it just takes time. Um, and also just talking about your issues. If you have something that you're insecure about or you're, um, you've got a hang up about when you, and especially now we've got the luxury of social media, whereas, you know, before social media, people growing up, young people growing up, they didn't have blogs to look at and people to follow and, and you know, inspirational people to, to look up to and think, oh, well, so-and-so is this influencer on Instagram and she's always talking about her cellulite and her stretch marks and stuff. And so that always helps, doesn't it? Because then you think, oh, this is, this is fine. This is absolutely normal. So I think it's sort of growing up and just having, being able to have people that you can look to and think, oh, well, I look up to so-and-so and, and, you know, they look like me and they, they're fine. So therefore it's not that big of a deal. Um, so I think for me, that this all, that's, that's all part of the journey of thinking there's, and, and just focusing on the good things about your body, because there's so much more positive things that we have about our bodies than the negative. So just focusing on those. Um, and I think that kind of makes sense as to why like periods have always been this weird thing, because it wasn't until quite late that I found it comfortable to say someone on my period. Like even when it came to dating, it would be like, oh, uh, <laughs> Yeah, so I, I would just be doing the most tiring, like, um, I'm just not well, why just not well, just not well, or like, <laughs> you're, in, uh, yeah, you're in your period, no, 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 to about sexual health mm. and so for the girls that are growing up in households without a mother you know mm. I really I really feel for them because like imagine you know I remember like my first period and imagine having no one to talk to you about that and like you said it starts so young that it's ingrained in you that like there's this difference and that there's this separation and this privacy like of course there should be some privacy but not to the point where you feel like I can never speak about this and then you know you see on Twitter even to this day, people love talking about periods of relationships. Like, oh, what would you do if your girl leaks on the bed? Bro, who cares? Yeah. Like, but that is happen? awkward, though. I'm not going to lie. That makes me feel so Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even if it's, even I, if it's I like, used to be, but I don't care anymore. I'm you like, know oh what's funny is that <laughs> when I was just going off of what Liz was saying, I remember when I had my period for the first time, and my parents had never had that discussion with me. So I literally thought I was dying, and my brother was the only person <laughs> that was there. 
And I was like, Christopher, I'm bleeding. Help me. I don't know what to do. And then he was so awkward that he had to call my sister. And it became like this whole thing. Whereas it's funny, as you said earlier, Sarah, no, like I could care less. I'm just like, yeah, guys, I'm on my period. So just don't talk. You know what? Yeah. I was, was going to say a minute ago, shout out all the older siblings, aka me and the rest. Yeah. yeah. It, all, it actually all falls on you. I'm so sorry. Yeah, like, it's when my steps. When my stepsister started her period, I remember my dad messaging me. We went out with my dad for a meal somewhere. And he was like, I'm going to go and pay for the bill. Can you talk to her because she's having her first period? And I'm thinking, when did I, when did I get this rocked job role? Or like my brother, <laughs> like my brother, when he lost his Ginny, he told me. And like, and now I feel like I've always got to make sure he's, you know, aware of STIs and all of these things. And like, mm. I'll secretly tell parents certain things to make sure that they can tell him stuff. Because like, I don't live with him and X, Y, Z. But I feel like because of what you're saying about, you know, when these conversations aren't being had, or maybe they're being had, but the, the child still might not feel comfortable enough to go to their parents. I feel a lot of it does fall onto siblings or, mm. you know, what Sarah touched on about, like, social media, where you can go online, you know, the likes of Aloni, Tony Tone, who talk really publicly about these things mm. and make it seem very normal. Because a lot of things that I've learned from Twitter about myself. 100%. Yeah. Mm. And it's, it, as Liv said, it's like, what do you do if you're an only child being raised by a man? You know, like, how does that, it, it can really cripple your becoming comfortable with yourself or knowing the right things about sex. And it's just, so yeah, shout out to the older siblings. I know I wouldn't have survived with the whole Yeah, true. So now that we're older and all a little bit more like comfortable with ourselves, you know, um and i i assume that we're all in self-exploration mode particularly now that we're in lockdown <laughs> i don't know if you're self-isolating with anyone sarah but all three of us are self-isolating or isolating alone um no so, I'm so yeah how's how's self-exploration in lockdown going guys non-existent yeah do you know what <laughs> for me it's just not even happening at all because i'm still working as well so what i did is because of because of the whole covid situation and um i obviously i work in sexual health i work part-time in a clinic i do two clinics a week and the rest of the time is when i do all the other stuff and so everything shut down oh yeah because like, you're everybody. still a key worker aren't you yeah so what i did is i i, I then volunteered just to go and, and help out the hospital so i've been working so i'm actually here i'm staying in, in a hotel just in, uh, by Chelsea Football Club because I work at Chelsea Hospital and I've been here for six weeks I think it is now oh, so I've been oh, wow. so, yeah, so, I, so I've still been working sort of full time back, back to working on the wards full time so I have had no time for any of the above <laughs> can we give Sarah a clap guys the 8pm 8, 8 clap maybe I'm Thursday clap <laughs> I'm not gonna lie if I would stay in the hotel by myself I'd be self excavated like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this should be the time, really. I should have been, you know, utilizing the time. Well, background, Sarah, is that during this time, a couple of weeks ago, in order to kind of encourage this self-exploration process, yeah. um, I sent all of the girls a gift, including our producer, Leanne, who has to unmute herself to be part of this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I'll let you guys tell what, what you got in the post and what you've been doing with it since then. And maybe Sarah can give us some tips along the way. <laughs> so mine is still in the box. <laughs> it hasn't left the box. Um, no, but this is because um, staying at home with my parents who don't knock, 
or they knock and then come in straight away. You know when parents knock, but then the door is like open yeah. and they're knocking. And I'm like, what was the point of knocking? <laughs> and um, so yeah, I just don't feel. But there was one occasion. Oh my gosh, crikey! Um, there was one occasion where like me and my boyfriend were on FaceTime together. You know, get a little sexy time, sexy, a little sexy, and then like I literally just finished. Literally just put on my nightdress, and my dad came in like, good night. Oh no! <laughs> <Lord. laughs> and that was one second earlier. Man, tweets will be. <laughs> and so yeah but it's still in the box i appreciate the gift but it's still in the box right now well technically you get a pass because it so i bought lives an egg which mm-hmm. is um a circular egg-shaped adult toy that you insert mm-hmm. um and it has a remote control which josh can use whenever he's ready or you can i suppose <laughs> whenever you're ready um so yeah i guess in a couple of weeks you can let oh well whenever we're supposed to be lifting the lockdown yes yeah, later so yeah hopefully mm-hmm. you'll get to use that soon sooner than later so what have you and josh been doing or what have you oh you've not been you said you've not been self-exploring but you've been embracing sexy time with josh yeah i've been embracing sexy time over facetime more since lockdown but i just have to be careful and aware of my surroundings because our parents that don't understand what a shut door means <laughs> but other than that it's all going well have you guys have you tried your your post what came in the post hmm? the shan? The shan? Hmm? <laughs> ladies shan Leanne can go first how would you describe it Leanne I don't know how to describe it I don't actually know what it's called, but essentially it's it's a dildo, but it has yeah. three pieces. So it has the main piece and then it has, uh, and it vibrates, it's a vibrator. So it has a piece that you insert vaginally and then it has a piece that covers your clitoral area for stimulation. And then it has a back piece, which I think somewhat inserts. Oh no, it's a control. Oh, it, so it doesn't have the three parts? um not it's like two okay so it has the clitoral stimulation and it has yeah. the insertion dildo yeah. vibrating part and it does have a remote control so yeah, yeah, yeah. my initial plan was to use it has anyone seen um that movie um the ugly tree Mm-mm. i think they do Mm-mm. it in that and like the guy has the remote control but then i got real myself and was like that's really not gonna happen anytime soon <laughs> so i just <laughs> went ahead and use it and it's got 11 different modes Ooh. Oh wow! I was very, very impressed. Slightly <laughs> <laughs> overwhelmed, but very impressed. Did you try them all? I tried them mm. all. Oh, oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, ten this out of ten. This is to be tantalised, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, where are I going on my walk today? When 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 the ad said clitoris, I was like, ooh, tantalised, tantalised. Shan, what about you? We've had many discussions on this podcast, Sarah, about Shan mm. and her orgasm. So okay, all right. And she ain't had one because they're non-existent. Really? Yeah. yeah so. I, but then I spoke to I spoke to this um, Liana about it, and I think uh-huh. we kind of figured out why. So okay. So before, before I think it was just the people I interacted with. Yeah. <laughs> um, but now the person. That's not an issue. But mm. it's me in my head. So like now yeah. I'm thinking too much. Mm. So I, I get to that point where I feel like my, my body was gonna explode. And yes. then <laughs> I stop. 
and I'm just like, and then no. you stop, mm. and it's because I'm because in my I'm getting into my head too much because I because now I know okay actually it's gonna happen now. When yeah. It, when I get into my head so much, I just stop. So I yeah. need to get out of that doing that. But do you have any advice for that actually? Because yeah, I was gonna say I would. Love annoy- to know. It's quite annoying to be at a point. It's where annoying, I'm like, isn't oh, it? gonna happen now and then. Yeah. I think give you just be patient and give yourself time because you've been thinking of, you've been having sex in your head in in a in a way in a way um for a long time as in you've been thinking about either not having an orgasm or having it and not just letting yourself go so mm-hmm. it's going to take for as long as you've been thinking oh okay I'm not having an orgasm or I'm about, it's about to happen and then it doesn't happen you've been doing that for a long time so it will, it will take a while for you to to actually naturally just let go of all those feelings so just give your body it's weird but you just have to give your body that time to just just relax and again with the toys and like lockdown is a good opportunity for women for all women to just explore their bodies and just get comfortable with stimulation without uh, a depending on somebody else and b without thinking because when that second person's there then you're going into your head because you're not only thinking about your orgasm, but then you're thinking about pleasing them as well. Mm. So mm-hmm. once you know how to please yourself and just practice letting your, separating your mind and your body in a way. I did try it out. It had 20 modes and it was very, very good. Mode mm-hmm. one was absolutely fine. I don't need to go any further. <laughs> I'm going to say I'm still on mode one. So Shannon and I have the same sex toy. <laughs> right. And we both have the wand. Right. And um, yeah, I'm still in mode Wanda. I didn't but even know, you know it had 20. Yeah. So, 20. So you have to wonder what <laughs> no. 20 is going to do. No, no I went through them quickly, but I, I went back to one. But what's good, yeah, <laughs> if you mm-hmm. do that, and then if you do that, and, mm-hmm. you get, and then you're getting fingered at the same time, mm-hmm. but, but then you're pushing the wand onto your, you close up. Close up. Up, down. up. You think you're in a dream. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you're, you're your body is out of control. So when now you, you know what positions when you're having mm. sex with your partner, what position, what the best position to get you into that kind of mode. And that's what the toys mm. do for you. Yeah. Mm. I think to use it more though. But like what Liv said, not so much the walking in, it's more like me being conscious of the surrounding. Yeah. I'm just a bit mm, like, because sure. I haven't, I literally never used, never used it up until, mm. um, I never used one anyway up until Leanne suddenly like actively used it. So mm. I feel like it's just about me forgetting about my surroundings and just being absorbed. Mm. But what was you gonna say, Liv? I was gonna say, um, this might sound like a stupid question, however, I'm gonna ask it anyway. What is the difference for women between coming and orgasm? Mm. Because I feel like with men, y'all know when it's happened. It's very <laughs> obvious. Like physically and mentally, it's very obvious when they've orgasmed. But women, like, what is the difference between orgasming and coming? Because that's something I've never quite understood. So orgasming is the 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 sensation that you get from being stimulated and being like aroused to like the tenth degree. So that's the feeling of pleasure. That's that's when you're like, okay, this feels amazing. And then when you come, that's like that's when your body releases fluid and then and then you've essentially you've reached the peak of the orgasm and then you and then you come so that, that's like with guys oh, when they're, like, they're having the lying. orgasm and they're like oh well, i'm about to come and then they come because they're sort of oh. they, they, they can't control it and then they and then they come sort oh. of thing. so but you can orgasm without actually coming as well i was gonna the say orgasm, i think that's why i'm con- i think yeah. that's why i've been confused then i've had the orgasm mm. but there's no coming yeah yeah so it's exactly 
So and 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 I think <laughs> yeah, the orgasm is probably the the main part. I mean, the orgasm is the taking part and winning, and then becoming is like the title that you get, you kind of thing. <laughs> but it's not that necessary. if you know if you know you've won, then you've won. You know, <laughs> but it's not always yeah. Whereas I think with guys it's different. They they almost always are gonna ejaculate. Whereas with women we don't always um, ejaculate. Mm. So yeah. And is that something that not to put pressure on ourselves, but I, I mean. I'm assuming the actual coming does also add to the pleasure that you're feeling, the sensation. And yeah. so is it just a matter of like, because as Shan said, I feel like there are a lot of women who orgasm but don't necessarily come. And mm. I think porn probably puts a lot of pressure, especially when you watch things and women yeah. are just like, you know, waterfalls, yeah. waterfalls all, <laughs> all over the place. And so what, what, not to say what should that look like, but how uh, how much effort or should we be putting into actually coming versus orgasming, if that makes any sense? Yeah, I think orgasm is the, is the most important part because that means you're you're enjoying the sex and the sex is is yeah it's enjoyable. You're having fun. It's, it's it, your body feels amazing. I think, like you said, porn does put so, too much emphasis on that part, and also it puts pressure on the woman because you think that oh well, if I don't if I don't come, then he's going to think that. that it's also a way of showing the guy, oh, yeah, it's so good, then look at the evidence kind of yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. And so, if you don't, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, so, and so guys get into the heads that she didn't squirt like a water gun and she didn't come, therefore she didn't enjoy the sex. But actually, it's not always the case for all women. I think it affects their ego, doesn't it? And yeah, mm-hmm. and so you, and so you mm-hmm. think, oh, maybe, maybe I didn't enjoy the sex out the way I was supposed to because I didn't you know ray open the taps and then he thinks oh maybe she faked the orgasm because she didn't you know squirt and stuff like that so it's because it's there's so much emphasis put on it in the in in porn and in in just and in music lyrics and all this kind of stuff that it does plant plant a seed in everyone's head that this is this is the this is the result this is what you should be aiming for but whereas actually it's the orgasm that is that you really want Mm. but if, 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 if you can is if you do come it's evidence that you have I don't know, yeah, you've, you've enjoyed the sex, but it's not always, it's, you know, the two are not always hand in hand. I wanted to ask one more question, but basically around vaginas. <laughs> <laughs> and like, just the way, like, first of all, the difference, mm-hmm. like, um, there's, oh, there's another word for vagina, which is like what the actual vagina is. Like, vulva. I swear, like, it's vulva. Like, what is okay. the difference between a vulva and a vagina? So the vulva is basically everything. It's the clitoris, the vagina, like it's, it's the whole everything. So, you know, and then your vagina is just basically the whole. Your vagina is the inside of your, what you would think is a vagina, which is the, the internal right. part. So that is the vagina, yeah. And then the vulva is everything on the outside, including the, okay. including the vagina, the whole, the clitoris and everything that you see. Everything that you see from the outside, that's the vulva. Oh, okay. Because the amount yeah. of people that don't know that, the amount of yeah, people so, that think it's just like vagina. <laughs> yeah. So when you do a swab, so let's say you do a swab for chlamydia and gonorrhea, it's called a VBS swab, a vulva vagina swab. So essentially oh. how you're supposed to do it, you're supposed to first rub it from the outside. So you're, you're taking the sample from the outside and then you're also taking the, uh, the sample from the inside. So vulva vagina, vulva is the outside, vagina swab the inside. Can I just okay. say that I definitely will wait the three hours at the clinic because I'm so scared to do those tests by myself. Yeah, and no, I always think that I'm going to do it the wrong way. Mm. Oh my yeah. gosh. Get up. <laughs> I went the other day if, and I if you do it for wrong. ages. Yeah. I went the other day and I queued for ages. And obviously not the other day because we've been in Corona. Um, <laughs> but, you know, We've been I in Corona. We've <laughs> been in isolation. 
I queued for time, got there early in the morning, early, early, early. And mm. then I was like the 10th person to get in or like something like that, top 10. So I was still like relatively early. And the yeah. lady was like, okay, I'm just going to give you a kit to do and take home. And I was like, no, 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 no. I want to no, do no, it no. now. And she was like, if you do it now, you're going to need to wait up to three hours. And I'm like, I'm the 10th te- I'm the te- I'm good. Person. Why am I wasting three hours? <laughs> Do you know what? Never be afraid because I think a lot of people are like, oh, but I don't know what if I'm not doing it right. The test is A, really sensitive and B, it won't give you a result if you've not done it. So we're looking for cells. We're looking for a certain amount of cells. So therefore, if you didn't do the test properly, it's never going to tell you it's negative when it's not. It will just come back as, a, as, a, as an error. So if you get a negative okay. result or if you get a positive result, it means that you've done the, te- the test correctly. If you haven't done the test correctly, it will come back saying that, the test wasn't processed so never never worry that you've not the only way to not do it properly is probably to just not do it at all um which is very difficult so i think i I think having that confidence in your body and just knowing that you know what i can do a swab and do it like because i think now we're moving to the point where unless you have symptoms i know in the clinic where i work unless you have symptoms yeah i have a lot of young girls who come in and they're like oh i'm not sure i would always do it if somebody's like a little bit uncomfortable i would do it and then teach them how to do it for themselves for the next time um unless we're super busy i don't have the time then of course i you know then it's not possible but if i have the time and and somebody's anxious about doing it if i just teach somebody then they can get that confidence in doing it for themselves and then and then it'd be right but if you don't do it properly you won't get the result awesome Cool. Yes, and then the remember. second question, the second question I wanted to ask around boulders, not vaginas, <laughs> boulders, um, is just like, um, I think talking to my friends, like a lot of girls worry about the appearance of their boulders. And this mm. goes back to what we said about porn. Mm. And they're like this itty bitty, like everything's like sucked in and everything is kind of like, so when people think about like their labias, for example, whatever, labia, it's yeah. like labia. advice and just some kind of like um just some kind of thing to make people feel a bit better mm. about the appearance of theirs so i think there's a lot of pressure out there for young women on what it should mm. look like yeah no for sure for sure and i think it goes both ways um with guys it's always about size whereas with women actually i think sometimes probably more of a of a of a thing with women because you think is my labia too big is this you know is that i mean i've seen god i don't know how many vaginas i've seen in my time a lot like i'm tall i'm tall i mean we're in the thousands we're in like four digits now i've seen a lot and to be honest there's not that much difference in them like i've, I've never and honestly hand on heart okay maybe once maybe once that i can think of but i've never looked at a woman's vagina and thought oh my god like she doesn't look like all the other women never like never before um apart from maybe once or twice and that's normally when there's something very very wrong and i'm not talking about i'm not talking about whether they're coming with symptoms and maybe they've got a spot or they've got ulcers and i'm just talking about how the vagina looks mm. and there's not that much how your vagina looks it's probably how most other people's vaginas look put it that way that's what i was yeah. saying whatever you see in porn i mean they go p- people who work in porn they go and have surgery to remove like to make things smaller to make to make like to literally pretty much cut everything off essentially sometimes and so the way a lot of their vaginas look is not realistic and it's because they've tampered with it in some way to look and it's almost there's something quite creepy about it because if you're a woman your vagina is supposed to look a certain type of way anyway so when they go to make it look a certain type of way i don't know what they're trying to imitate but it's it doesn't it doesn't sit well with me but it's almost like 
what it looked like if you were a child and not as a grown woman. As a grown woman, you're gonna, your vagina is going to look a certain type of way. Mm. And so how your vagina it looks is how most other women's vaginas look. I mean, like I said, I've seen so many vaginas that they all look pretty much the same. There's not that much difference. Of course, there's going to be difference in sizes as, as there are difference in sizes in any other parts of our bodies. But in terms of anything, any gross difference, no, there's not that much. So how your vagina looks is probably 99.999% normal the way everybody else's looks pretty much and so never be hung up on it just quickly you know the whole um like if you eat fruits pineapples citruses and all of that <laughs> oh yeah, stuff. yeah yeah is that a real thing because i might need to know <laughs> <laughs> do you know what i i need to know as well well i do know that your diet can affect your uh your discharge because naturally anything that you eat it's kind of like going to the toilet and having a poo or having a wee whatever you eat is what you're going to excrete isn't it and mm. so what you find is that with things like thrush if you have a high in sugar diet you may be more susceptible to thrush so that then goes to show that whatever you consume naturally is going to affect you down there so i mean i'm 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 heterosexual so i've never been down on a girl to know about different tastes and and to compare and contrast so that might be a question for guys actually i think guys might be in a better position to mm. to, answer, to answer that question but um i would say that there may I, i'm not saying that there is a reason uh, there's no research on it that i know of um and i've not personally done any research on it extensively but i would say that your diet would definitely affect your the, the consistency of the, your discharge and could affect um you know things like thrush and bv so therefore there might be an element of truth to the whole pineapple thing hmm. that's what i'm inclined that's what i'm inclined to think well i'm gonna get my pineapple on and start yeah. <laughs> eating the fruit even though i'm allergic to it but oh my god <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> swelling and, and itchiness for it <laughs> This is the Dope Black Women Podcast. Just quickly, because you see a lot of, of, I see a lot of this conversation on Twitter of, um, and even through my dating experiences, actually, of guys saying like, oh, I can't come from head. And then the, the, on Twitter, you see people talking about whether guys can or whether they can't or whether they've been able to make a guy can or can't. Is that a myth? Because I feel like, like, the yeah, idea no. that, like guys aren't like, meant to be able to come from it. Because a lot of guys say this and it's just really weird. Oh, that is weird. No, no, no. Absolutely. You can, yeah, definitely. That's, maybe that's just a handful of people who are just running with it, but it's definitely not a thing that guys can't come without oral sex. They definitely can. I mean, yeah, for sure. So that, okay. so that's definitely a myth. <laughs> I was going to say, if that wasn't true, if that was true, then a lot of men would be in trouble. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but I guess, as you said, it's just about kind of, making sure that you're really comfortable and normalizing mm. the conversation, mm. especially if you're in a relationship and lives, I don't know if you can speak to this um, about kind of normalizing the conversation around sex and what you like and what you're comfortable with. And I don't know if you and Josh did this in terms of like some of the trickier conversations. So not just pleasing someone, but like going to get tested with your partner and, and kind of talking through those more difficult awkward conversations or if you're having you know some, mm. some issues like if you're having you know a yeast infection or something if you're able to just have a conversation with your partner to say actually this is what's happening right now yeah i mean when we first started having sex i definitely felt pressure and i think he definitely felt pressure i like after every single time he'd be like did you come did you come yeah like, <laughs> and, and like now i think he's a lot more comfortable and like you said like there is a difference between 
orgasming come in and like you don't do it every single time and like just I think he had a lot of pressure in his head from porn that like it both ends with you lying in the bed like <gasps> after like 10 minutes and that's it and that's how it goes every single time which isn't true um so definitely as we've got closer and as we've other relationships continue we've got more and more comfortable with like what we like what we don't like um as far as like testing or that kind of thing goes I think it's just like you just have to be completely honest with your partner like there's no other way around it really like I remember when I had um an STI I just told him and he was like cool like we both have to get tested then because like it doesn't and I think the reason why a lot of the time it's uncomfortable is we've been led to believe this myth that the only way to get that and it, the only way to get STI is by cheating and that's not true mm-hmm. um but I think like people have made it this thing that like should be filled with shame because it's somehow attached to cheating mm. um so I think just being honest and being comfortable with your partner is key mm. Um, Sarah, do you uh, do you have recommendations for you know couples that are dating around how often they should get tested and kind of just how to approach it? Really, how do you how do you go about doing that with your partner? Mm, I think it's definitely something as part of the conversation of when you you want to have sex before you even have the conversation. Well, actually, no, as part of the conversation of of having sex, I think before you have sex, just go and get. A, sexual health screen that's why I always say and then it removes that thing of you know let's say you're together and six months down the line you're having sex but no one's got tested and then someone gets tested and it comes back positive you're always going to have that thing in your head of well did they get this before me during the relationship mm. and so if you do it that's sort of the first thing and say look okay we progress in the relationship we're now taking it to the next level let's just be sensible adults we've both had sex before or even if one of these has sex and the other hasn't there's no, there's no issue in both just going and getting a test just to, to just make the, the, your partner feel comfortable. Um, and then that way you're starting on a clean slate. And then what I'd also say is probably after your first initial test, you know, before you have sex, maybe at some point within the relationship, I'd say, I always say to, especially to women, every six months, whether you're in or out of relationship, okay. get, get, a, get a screen, get a chlamydia and gonorrhea screen because we can harbor infection for a lot longer than guys. Mm. For a guy, guys can have guys won't really have say chlamydia or gonorrhea for months and months and months without them having uh, you know blatant obvious symptoms so pain passing urine or a discharge whereas with women because our vaginas uh the the, the, our vaginas change a lot during different times of the month and because we have discharge and that's our body's way of cleaning itself sometimes infections can get masked and so Mm -hmm. you you think oh this is just part of my normal discharge because chlamydia doesn't particularly have a, a, a certain type of smell unless it you know you've had it for a long time so then you can just think okay this is just normal this is just my normal discharge so with women we can mask infection for a lot longer so I always say for women get a screen every six months so a chlamydia and gonorrhea screen every six months and do a blood test maybe once a year once every other year if your partner's look if you're both low risk um and I think it should be something that is continuous just because not because you don't trust your partner or because because I, I think just speaking from clinical experience I've just seen so many couples coming to clinic where they've been together for years and years and then the woman's coming with symptoms that have progressed so far that you know we don't know what the long-term effects are and it's just not mm. worth it and I think it's so easy now though you don't even have to go to a clinic and queue up for three hours like you did back in the day you can just order an online kit and just do it every six months just do a swap of comedian gonorrhea send it in the post if you're really if your relationship is going the way it should be then there's, there's no issue there and it's just something to just bear in mind I'd say 
there's, it's just there's no issue. Right, you're making yeah, it standard. Yeah. You just it's like doing a smear test every three years, like you're yeah. supposed to. I think women should always do a chlamydia test every six months because it can have um, uh, you know more implicating long term effects on us than it does for men. And like I said, with men, they're more likely to know about whether they've got infection earlier on than with us. We can have it for even a year without knowing, and it can then have a knock on effect on our on our reproductive system. So every six months, whether you're in a right relationship, ladies do a swab for chlamydia and gonorrhea. Um, just off the back of that. Are there, because I know you said that you work in clinics two days a week, mm. are there any open right now? Because if, if anyone's listening, they want to get tested, are there only mm. options to look online? Because I looked for yeah. myself the other day and the test mm. was like £70 or £40. I don't know what it was, but it was some sort of pound that I didn't want to pay. And I just yeah. felt like, is that the only option available? <laughs> No, no, no. Uh, on, if you go on, on NHS website and um, just put into mm. Google NHS sexual health, you can order um, uh, home test kits, which, you, you know, they, they, they started that became a thing way before COVID anyway. So because of government cuts and all this stuff, they're trying to get people to do tests at home as much as they can. And also it's just for convenience. So you can just order a home test kit put it in the post, send it. And it's completely free. So any of the ones charging you, oh, don't. Yeah. And if, okay. if you want for your, for your listeners, I can always, I can see, I can grab a link. But if you have any, um, if you have any symptoms, if you have any, any sort of emergency, anything emergency, clinics are still open. So it's not that everything's completely shut down. We will not turn you away if you're having, you know, any bad, any terrible symptoms or if there's anything that's um, urgent. So if you are experiencing any symptoms whatsoever, just go online, NHS website, um for ladies also brooke which is does also sexual health and um contraception so things like emergency contraception and uh terminations because we're going to see a lot more of that because of the lockdown mm-hmm. so those those things are still available so don't feel like because of covid that you you can't access these things it'll be it might, might be a little bit more complex than before but they are still available and you can get appointments and stuff so you've just mentioned contraception, which was actually going to be my personal question for the day, um, mm. because I think there's a lot of discussion and there's a lot of literature around contraception and black women in general, mm. uh, particularly around things like the depot injection mm. and the impact that that has on, on women generally. But, you know, the fact that there's a lot of literature to say that, uh, you know, more black women are, are going on depot and kind of having seeing more detrimental effects of being on it for a longer period of time. Mm. Um, and so I was just wondering what your opinion is on some of the more, you know, I think birth control is kind of standard, but some of the, the new, like the implant and the depot and that kind of thing on mm. that, those kind of contraceptive forms and whether there are any alternative like non-medical more holistic types of contraception that don't include the pull-out method or (laughs) (laughs) yeah god pull-out method i know everyone's been using that um so in terms of contraception so i i'm a big advocate for the coil um i think the coil is good because you can have it for up to five years um it's there doesn't bother you um it can reduce your period pains it can reduce how heavy your periods are as well um and because you can have it in for such a long time it's something you don't then have to think about too much so with contraception we know that in terms of with with black women that we are more likely to be affected by all the government cuts uh, that we've seen that we've been seeing for a few years now that are coming to sexual health i know in one year i think don't quote me but i think it was 2018 i think it was a 48 increase um of abortions in black and black mixed women compared to 37 in white women 
and when you and it goes so far back i think when you think about contraception in the uk it came about in 1961 and that was only for married women and then in 1967 that's when it was available for all women and in the 60s that's, that was sort of like the peak of the windbrush generation so there was a massive feminism uh, feminist feminism movement um that saw the provision of contraception but when you think about feminism um especially back then it was more geared towards white women it was still it was not inclusive of black women so we were never part of that yeah. feminism movement and if you think about the 1960s it's really not that long ago that's when my mom was born in the 60s maybe some of your mothers or grandmothers were born in the 60s so it's, it's, we're not talking back in the stone ages it's only not that long ago and so what we're finding is that with black women it's harder for us to feel empowered to access sexual health and to access um things like contraception because we were never targeted in in, in these in the provision of these things we were never yeah. included as as part of that you know that feminism movement and part of all those things and so we're finding that um we see a lot more termination we see a lot more unplanned pregnancies as well and it's all because we don't a know how to navigate the health system um we don't feel empowered to navigate the system uh, language and cultural barriers um social stigma socio-economical issues so there's so many complex issues that go into why black women uh, are affected more when it comes to these topics and these issues it's, it's really complex but these are all the things that contribute to why we have more of an issue with with a lot of things so even though on paper it might say you know the death row infection might affect black women that way it might be that we don't follow you know we get the injection but then maybe we don't follow up the way we should mm. do and so you know then of course naturally it's going to affect us if you've had it if you don't go and do your follow-ups then for anything whether it's a coil or whether it's an injection whether it's you know an implant it's naturally going to affect you more so is it the question is is it whether to do is it to do because of our bodies for some reason we have these issues or is it more social issues and i think mm -hmm. oftentimes it's more the social aspects that we need to look into but um i'm, I'm a big advocate for the coil for women because i mean i'm i don't know about other people but i don't know about you ladies but for the pill i was never good on the pill like my memory is just all over the place. i'm a very scatty person naturally so i'd forget it at home and then mm -hmm. i would just forget to take Same. it and then yeah so i was like well i'm not trying that but the coil perfect like have it in don't think about it and then yeah it, it's i think mine's three years so i'll say there's, mm. so, there's so many different issues it depends on you personally so it's hard to say but there's so many options that we have so many options that we yeah, have if one thing doesn't work for you this you're going to find something that will I used to, um, I've only been on contraceptive once mm. and when I did, I, I'm not good at swallowing tablets so the pill was like out of the, the option Yeah. and then when I, I went to the, the um, family planning unit, whatever it's called, to figure it out and then they gave me the patch and the patch mm. was good in the sense that it was easy for me to change, like all of that stuff was good but then mm. I put on like loads and loads and loads of weight mm. and then obviously mm. putting on loads of weight in such a short period of pace of time Mm. I feel like I've never really lost that weight since then. And now mm. it just made me like not want to use contraception. Weary. Like ever yeah. again, which obviously isn't going to work. But do they all, are they all known to um, increase weight gain? No, not at all. Like, like the coil um, doesn't. Anything that doesn't have hormones is always probably a bit better because your hormones can um, affect your, your appetite and stuff like that. So you end up eating more uh, oftentimes. So anything non-hormonal, if you are prone to gaining weight, uh, on contraception, then maybe try something that's non-hormonal. That might be a better option. Um, mm -hmm. But I know, I know, I know a lot of people. I know, I know a lot of women who have gone on the pill on certain pills, and they said, "Oh, you know, I've, I've gained loads of weight on it." Um, 
but no, they, they don't all do that at all. And every, everyone's going to react to things in a different way as well. And sometimes you do have to try different methods to know what actually does work for you. Like I tried mm. about two or three before I found one that did work for me. And mm. it is a bit of a ball ache, but it is something that is part of, you know, it's just one of those things that's just part of being a woman and you just have to find what works. I know people have been the pill since they were like 15 and they're like 25. Like, so it's... It just depends on every, every everybody's different. Yeah, look, I'm I'm an advocate for the core. I've had it for about a year and yeah. a half now, and it's like I I I recommend it definitely just because, mm. like as you said, like you have it done once, and then like that's it. You don't have to think about it. But another one of the aspects, as you mentioned, was like definitely I took into consideration the hormonal side because mm. um, I'm someone who suffers with my mental health, and mm. I know that there is a lot of. Um, there's a, few, a lot of women have had, had experiences where the contraception they're on has affected their mental health. Mm. Um, so I was going to ask, you know, what is kind of fact from fiction when it comes to contraception and like mental health? Because I know the pill, for example, a lot of people are like, oh, it made me crazy. Like, mm. so like, where is kind of like the fact from fiction and like how does hormones actually play a part? Yeah, no, it's true. So um, anything that has hormones in it, and especially, like you said, if you're somebody who's, either got, uh, you know, struggles with mental health and in any capacity. Like I'm a very hormonal person. Like when I'm on my periods, I just go absolutely crazy. So then when I went on the pill, I went on a pill once and it just made me, it made me just such a horrible person that I wasn't even having sex anyway because nobody wanted to have sex with me. So therefore it, it defeated all purpose. And so it is true. If you are, if you, and you know yourself more than anybody's going to know you more than any clinician. So if you know that I am somebody who's quite sensitive to hormonal changes. Um, so I'm quite sensitive to hormonal changes. And so the pill that I was on was not the one for me. So I would say that if you are somebody who does suffer from any underlying mental health issue or anything, then avoid anything that does have hormones in it because your hormones affect your moods and your, your, your emotions and everything. So then if you're then adding even more and throwing off your normal balance, it's only gonna, it, it could only potentially, potentially affect your mental health. So, um, I would say if you do have any underlying issues of mental health, then avoid anything that has hormones in it and stick to contraception. There's anything non-hormonal contraception, contraception for sure. Whereas other people, they're, they're fine and it doesn't affect them and, and, and it, you know, it doesn't bother their, their mental health or their feelings in any way, shape or form. And so it works for them. So it just depends person to person. But like you said, Liz, for you, that, like, like, and me as well, that just didn't work at all. So mm. when I, when it came to to the coil, I thought that was perfect. It's in, it's no home hormones. Don't have to think about it. And then that, that was it. Um, I think we, you were discussing before about kind of, you know, black women not feeling comfortable accessing sexual health um, mm. systems. And I don't know, it, I know that that's definitely cultural and I'm sure that also has to do with kind of, um, experiences with getting pap smears and you know uh, I think it's a very individual process sometimes like I know that I specifically like to go to a particular gyno when I need to get my pap smear done because I know that she's going to be considerate and she's going to make me feel comfortable um and so I I know so many women that just don't feel comfortable going to get their smear test because they they're just not sure what's going to happen and it I mean it's not the most comfortable experience in the world I mean my mm. I would say that many of the women in my family who are older than me and I'm in my 30s have not gone to get a pap smear. They don't get one on a regular basis. Mm. And I was just wondering, you know, how important is it to go every year? And um, 
what are your person what have you guys get are you because you have to be 25 is it 25 and over you start getting yes yeah, yeah. You guys yeah. i had my first yours. one last year how, oh how was yours Liz? how was it what, what was the experience like? um yeah i mean like so i had mine because um obviously yeah, it was um i had I was sexually active and I had the coil and I was just like, and I, I got a letter actually, like usually for your first one, you get a letter um, mm. requesting that it's kind of, it's time to have your smear test. And I remember being like, oh my God, it's time. Cause like there is this big kind of like. It's like a rite of passage, isn't it? Yeah. And it's this big kind of like work up towards it that um, it's going to be this massive thing. And like, don't get me wrong. It was uncomfortable, but it's also over pretty quickly. Like it's yeah. not the worst thing in the world. And to be honest, as women, you know, if you kind of have to put in line things like childbirth or whatever, it's, it's not that bad. Like, it's not that bad. Some people might have bad experiences, but personally mm. for me, I feel like it, I feel like people made it worse out, which is part <laughs> of the problem. Like, people make, people hype it up more than I think it needed to. Like, it's like, you know, it's no worse than kind of getting the needles done or something. It's just something, mm. some things you just have to do. Like, you just have to get done. And the, the quicker the, you get it done, the quicker it's over with. Is the smear test where you get this, the silver thing put there? Yeah. The, the, yeah. The, what's it called? Speculum. And then they just do a oh, okay. swab yeah. of your cervix yeah. to make sure. So um, so in Jamaica, it's interesting because I'm going to get very personal for a second. But in Jamaica, you get tested as you get uh, you start doing your pap smear as soon as you are sexually active. Um, and so I, I started getting my pap smear when I was 19. And then when I was at, most people that know me know that I used to be a heavy smoker and all this kind of stuff. And so when I was 21, my pap, my pap smear actually came back positive and I had to have uh, cryosurgery to remove a layer of my cervix because um, they thought it might I might have cancerous cells. And so I can't express as Liv's pointed out, it's one of those things that you have to do because it's mm. so important and it really can save your life. Yeah. And so, do you, I mean, in your experience, um, Sarah, how, why do women, particularly black women, why do women have so many issues around going and, and what are some of the things that you can do when you're talking to friends and family about kind of dispelling the myths about going to get your pap smear done? Yeah, I think, uh, like Liz said, people sort of hype it up and say, and, uh, how uncomfortable it is, but it's no more uncomfortable than having a period pain. Like, I'd say that, think about having a period pain, but only for like five minutes. It's, it's not even, it's five over in like five minutes. Yeah. It's not even five minutes. It's literally, they put the speculum, as soon as they locate your cervix, you ju they just take a, a, a few samples from your cervix and then they pull it out and that's it. So it's a lot more straightforward. And if you think about the implications um, that can come about from not having regular screening, like you said, Leanne, it's, it can literally save your life. So it's something that as women, we, we, we just have to do. It's not, just think about saving your life. If you could just quickly run through some of the things that uh, the pap smear does test for, just so that women know exactly what they're going in for. I mean, obviously cervical mm. cancer is something yeah, I got, just mentioned yeah I got mine done I was gonna tell you mm. I, I'm not I, I'm not 25 yet but oh. I literally had a smear test at the end of last year but I didn't know it was one and after I got it done I was like why did they gas us up so much like about the <laughs> yeah pain? yeah because yeah. I remember mm. talking to the lady like oh was that like and she was like yeah this is the same this is the same process you would do if you was having a smear test and I was like oh okay but on Twitter it's like the scariest place like 
oh. only the cool kids go. Like, do you yeah. know what I mean? I mean, I think there are some women who are genuinely traumatized because they have a bad experience with a particular doctor. So I've mm. definitely had doctors that are less sensitive or less caring than others. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. So to go back to Sarah, what exactly the purpose are of the smear test is and yeah. Yeah, so I mean, there's so many different sort of complex um, medical abbreviations of what they're looking for. But initially, the two things so they're looking for the human papilloma virus um, that can cause all sorts of different um, infections and um, can potentially affect your reproductive system. So looking at things that could in the future um, affect your reproductive system and it's mainly to look for the cancer cells. So um, cervical cancer, we know that it's on the increase. Um, I think it's one in, oh God, I can't remember. I can't remember the exact stats, but I can give you the information for your listeners if they want to sort of read more mm. about it. But we know that cervical cancer is on the increase. Um, and so that, that's essentially what they're looking for, the HPV, which by the way, you can get a HPV vaccine as well. Um, and the, mm-hmm. HPV, the HPV virus can lead to cancer. So if you're, I think it's a, it's a relatively new thing because I remember when I was in school, it wasn't a thing. But I think now if you're 16, I believe, um, you get it at schools. Is that right? Yeah, yeah I'm shaking her head. So I think that's correct. Um, and that can prevent sort of a lot of types of cervical cancer. Um, so essentially what they're looking for is, is cancer cells from the cervix. That's, that's the main thing that they're looking for and the HPV virus. Okay, cool. Yeah. We have so many questions that came in from the WhatsApp group. It's not mm. funny. So we're either going to have to bring you back on or uh, if you're interested in doing a video for us so that we can kind of get some of the facts versus myths yes. done. Because I think there are so many questions that women have that are we're afraid to ask because we don't want to seem silly or we don't want to... We're afraid of what the answers might be. Mm. Um, and so I just... I'm so grateful that you guys that you came on today and we've been able to answer some of these questions not only for the women on the whatsapp group but for us ourselves as well i mean i didn't know that there was a difference between orgasming and coming to be honest Mm. until today (laughs) yeah um and just like yeah so very and we found out that roshan has in fact had an orgasm (laughs) yes that is amazing (laughs) well done that deserves a round of applause Welcome, welcome. <laughs> so let us know what you're working on now, um, what, we, what you're hoping to do within the next year, where we can find you online. So at the moment, just waiting to, to figure out what, what, COVID, <laughs> what COVID will let me do. Um, there's a lot Ms. of things Rona. I have in the yeah, Miss Rona <laughs> acting up. But um, there's a lot of things I have in the pipeline, so it's just kind of just waiting to hear what happens. But um, getting ready to film the next series of the Sex Clinic, which will be coming back very soon, hopefully, if if everything permits. Um, and I'll also be doing starting a new radio show, show for Talk Radio, which is exciting. Um, what else am I working on? Yeah, everything's just been thrown up in the air, to be honest. So it's just like everybody else. It's kind of just sitting waiting around to see what this virus does to see how we can start you know if and when we can start getting back into normal life but i'm going to start doing definitely doing more interactive stuff on social media on my instagram tv um because i think that's just the best way to communicate at the moment and even yeah. before this virus anyway so i'm just going to start utilizing all my social media platforms so the best way to find me will be on my instagram which is at sarah.melindwa um and any questions you guys have i can do like a an instagram tv thing for you guys and also for myself so that that your your listeners can come and hear all the answers to their questions amazing Mm -hmm. um so yeah this has been so informative and i think for all of our listeners i hope that you know they've gained something from this and that 
we're starting to normalize the conversation around not just self-exploration, but just um, knowing as much about our bodies as humanly possible. You know, mm. I think it's important, not just for ourselves, but for the safety of others around us. And yeah. um, when Corona dance stop, keep, mm-hmm. make sure you go and get tested. Make sure you go to the clinic. Make sure you watch Sarah's show on E4. Um, but in the meantime, listen to the podcast <laughs> and get all your answers here. So thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get them from. On Twitter and Instagram, we are Dope Black Woman One, and on Facebook, we're just Dope Black Woman. So we'll be back with you next week. Until then, stay blessed and unapologetically black. All the way black. Black be black. Black tastic. Hey. hey. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. And on, so the, what, right, right the, now, are there any? <laughs> <laughs> that silence. I was, yeah. was going to um, say, what are on, the... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going first, guys? <laughs> me! Um, Mine's quick. It's really quick. It's really quick. Yeah. Okay, okay. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.